Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Dolly Chug today. Dolly is an amazing thought leader in being the person we are meant to be. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation and really distilling, you know, the value behind ethics, the value behind doing the right thing, understanding our biases, understanding where we might have some blind spots, right? And not only how we can just do the right thing and just, you know, step into more morality, so to speak, and feel good about who we are, but also have that growth mindset of continuing to get better, right? Because what we are right now is not what we always will be, right? We're always open to evolution. We're always willing to change. We're always willing to grow, to elevate. And that's what this conversation is going to be about today. I think you're going to find a lot of value from this, not only from just understanding more about our own psychology, but also applying that towards elevating other people around you, elevating your business, elevating your real estate portfolio, you know, elevating your life at the end of the day. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. And I want to welcome you back because it's time to take it to another level. Are you ready? I know I'm ready. I'll tell you what, it's been a, uh, for me, it's been a busy week. I've been like running from meeting to meeting from, you know, one thing to another. And it's so interesting because our mind always tells us, you, know, you look at your calendar and you say, oh my gosh, it's so full. And I, I do this myself. It's like, I look at the week and it's like, I'm climbing this mountain, but it's just one thing at a time. And my mind always told me, tells me it's going to be harder than it really is. And so it's just a great reminder. And maybe that's something that you can remind yourself as well. And maybe that's a good reminder for you is that if you're looking at something and it seems like you're about to climb Mount Everest, just take it one step at a time and have some fun, laugh along the way. That's been a great reminder for me this week. And, uh, you know, the sunshine has been great. It's been great to be able to, you know, experience some gratitude and be thankful for what we have. So I want to encourage you right now, if you have just a moment, just think about what are three things you're thankful for? What are three things you're grateful for today? And see what type of state change you might get. Because if you're feeling lack of resourcefulness right now, maybe we need to change that state before we start this conversation, because I want this to impact you as much as it has the capacity to impact you. And it does start with state. Where are we focusing right now, right? Are we focusing on problems? Or are we focusing on solutions? Are we focusing on the fact that, you know, what we have here today is an opportunity to learn? Or does it feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just listening to another podcast because I need to learn or I have to, right? And um, I hope that you're here to have some fun. I hope you're here to laugh. I hope you're here to open your mind to new possibilities because, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to continue to bring to you. And uh, I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. And this is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. And I'm telling you, I'm going to find some people who are going to make us laugh a little bit more too. We're going to laugh. Let's have some fun because this doesn't all have to be hard. You know, I was having a recent conversation with Greg McCune and it's like, come on guys, we, this does not have to all be hard. We can have fun along the way, right? We can be a leader, an entrepreneur, a real estate investor with a burning desire for the extraordinary. And it doesn't all have to be struggle, right? Of course, there's going to be challenges. Of course, there's going to be things where we push through and we expand our bounds, we expand our boundaries and, you know, you'll look back and say, I'm grateful for those challenges. I'm grateful for 
you know, that process, but it all doesn't have to be so hard. So let's have a good time as well. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. Of course, as you know, today is going to be that day where we distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from Dolly Chug. And, you know, so that you can really elevate your life so that you can really elevate your business, you can elevate your money, you can elevate your time, you can elevate your impact to a place that really there's no limits on what you can do. And, and truly, I'm just going to remind you today, there is no limits to what you can do. So, you know, if you ever have, you know, that thought in your mind, hey, I can't, or I shouldn't, or I'm not, you know, old enough, or I'm too old, or I'm, you know, not experienced enough, you know, ask yourself, is that limiting you? Or is that serving you? And guess what, we have the choice to change our mind, we have the choice to change our thoughts. And what I want this podcast to be for you is a reference point. So that when you spot it, you got it as my coach tells me all the time. Because if you see that there is something out there that someone else has accomplished, guess what, it's possible for you as well. And that's what I want this podcast to be for you as a reference point to recognizing that you you have literally no limits on your life. And uh, I want you to have a life without limits. So this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, personal mastery, real estate investing, other ventures, their mindset, you, you name it. Most importantly, ultimately, you know, this is for people who are looking to achieve uncommon results in their lives, right? This is about designing a life. This is about lifestyle design. This is about you know, playing at the highest levels. And uh, I hope you're loving this. If you are, if you appreciate this uh, podcast, go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already and give us a rating and review. It's extremely, extremely helpful for us. So if you have 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, go out there and just give us a five-star rating. Uh, give us a review, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Very, very helpful. Also, the fee, of course, is just share this with a friend. Share this with one person in your network who would benefit from listening to this podcast, from engaging this in this community, from expanding their mind, expanding their future based on the references that we are providing because we are bringing the best in the world to you and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to show up. We're going to continue to bring the best of the best, not only just the best people, the people who have put in so much work to uncover so much expertise to uncover so many possibilities, but we're going to engage in the best of the best type of conversations, right? I'm going to continue to bring the heat. I'm going to continue to prepare, I'm going to continue to bring you new and different angles of some of the greatest people in the world. And guess what, by the way, let me just tell you, you could be one of the greatest people in the world as well. You can do everything that these amazing guests and these amazing people that we have on Elevate, you can also do that as well. So I don't want you to look at this and say, wow, these people are on a pedestal. These people that we speak to on Elevate have just given themselves permission to really go for it. And I want you to do the same for yourself. So if you are doubting yourself, just know that I believe in you. And um, I want to invite you to believe in yourself as well. So with all that said, I, I just really thank you for listening. I thank you for taking time out of your day. And I want to bring you massive value. So let's go ahead and dive in here. Because I want to introduce you to Dolly Chug, who is an award winning professor at the New York uh, NYU uh, Stern School of Business, where she teaches MBA courses in leadership and management. 
Her research focuses on bounded ethicality, which she describes as the psychology of good people and has been published in the top psychology, economics, and management journals. Her first book, The Person You Were Meant to Be, you, I'm sorry, The Person You Mean to Be, How Good People Fight Bias, has received rave praise from Adam Grant, Angela Lee Duckworth, and Billie Jean King, and has been covered on the Today Show, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the 10% Happier Podcast, NPR, many other media outlets, and now including the great Elevate Podcast, if I do say so myself. Her TED Talk has currently been viewed over 4.5 million times, which is amazing. And I, I want to tell you that her TED Talk is phenomenal. And we'll put a link in the show notes to how you can watch that. It is, it's a game changer. And I uh, love, love the fact that we have the opportunity to speak to Dolly today. She attended Cornell University, where she majored in psychology and economics for her undergraduate degree and Harvard University for her MBA and PhD. So obviously, uh, no shortage of intellect here from Dolly. And uh, she continues to push the bound for, for good, right? For the greater good, which at the end of the day, it's all about serving humanity. So what can we do to serve humanity, whether we're real estate investors, whether we you know, our business professionals, real estate professionals, you name it, what can we do to serve the greater good and feel great, you know, at the same time, serve other people around us. So that's what today's conversation is going to be all about. And I invite you to really enjoy this amazing conversation with Dolly Chug. Dolly, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Tyler. What a good way to end the week. Yeah, exactly. We're going to finish it on a strong note. I know that. But uh, no, I just appreciate you. I appreciate, um, you know, your work. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that, but also looking forward to getting to know you better. So why don't we start there? You know, tell me a little bit more about yourself kind of behind the bio behind the behind the public image. (laughs) What are you all about as an individual, Dolly? Oh, you know, when I was a child, I watched a lot of TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There we go. We'll start there. What's your favorite TV show? We'll start there. Right now, my, so my husband and I, we, we don't so much binge, but we like are monogamous with our shows. We kind of are working our way through. So um, right now, Blackish. We, mm. we had seen a number of episodes, but missed the number. So we just started at the beginning. And we're working our way through that. We are destination viewers of um, This Is Us. Love mm. that show. There you go. Do you watch there that? You- I don't know. I don't watch nope. it. What? So what's it all about? What do you? Oh like my god! About? It's so good. It's like a puzzle. It's like a, it's a family drama, but it's also a puzzle. I never watched Lost, but I think it's like the family drama version of Lost, like time yeah. travel forward, backward. Oh, that's cool. I just yeah. read a really interesting book. It was actually a fiction book, and it was all about time travel. And it, it had my mind. It's called How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. Have you ever heard of this? I feel like I just heard it. Is it new? I feel like I just heard of it. I So it was written about 10 years ago, and I was just recommended it by Stephen Kotler, if you're familiar with Stephen Kotler. Uh-huh. And he mentioned, he's like, I'm telling you, this is the greatest meditation on time and regret and just, you know, deep wisdom on life. And I'm telling you, it it, it blew my mind. It was really? like a journey. Like, you're like, oh, man, this is so exciting. But the time travel thing was really cool about it. I'm I really truly, I, I like time travel books, and I like books that blow my mind. So I'm going to add that to my Goodreads. Please do. Yeah, you should do that. And, and you know what was really interesting about it is it just, it was like, 
it was an observation of life, but it was also a mechanism of how your mind can be a, you know, a time machine to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, Dan Gilbert, who's a, a very famous social psychologist, um, he often says that's the thing that makes humans unique amongst animals is we can do mental time travel. Okay. No, apparently no other animal can do that, can sort of project themselves into the future or visit the past. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is like, we can think about our thinking, right? Ooh, meta. Right. I mean, it, yeah, maybe it might be meta, but it is, it's interesting to think about the fact that you can think about your thinking. And when I got down the rabbit hole of that thought itself, uh -huh. I started thinking about how I was thinking about my thoughts. <laughs> Does that make it. sense? <laughs> yeah. I'm, and then I'm like, whoa, I'm getting really <laughs> twisted on this thing. But, uh, yeah, I just find it to be fascinating. I feel like you and I both have this just deep curiosity to know more about not only psychology, but behavior and why people mm -hmm. act the way they do and kind of yeah. deep into the crevices of the mind. Yeah. So I'm already kind of vibing on this conversation. I really like <laughs> <Me that. too. laughs> But what what is it about, you know, social psychology that has fascinated you and really, you know, called you to, you know, be the your life's work, really? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that about like, you know, this curiosity. I think I've, since I was a kid, had that. And when I was, um, you know, I, I have a running joke with my mother that, you know, not 24 hours doesn't go by when I don't have this thought go through my head of, oh, mom was right again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. God darn it. You know, 24 hours, would you? Like basically since I was 25, that's been like the recurring pattern. And, and so one of the things mom was right about was she gave me a um, subscription to Psychology Today, the magazine you know, back when we had like print magazines that came yeah. um, I still get some print magazines too, by the way, too. which is weird. Yeah. I yeah. do too. Yeah. Um, so she gave me that subscription when I was in high school, like ninth grade or something. She, mm -hmm. now I would, I would be in my mid thirties when I would finally realize that I wanted to go back and get a PhD in psychology. So it, it took me 20 more years to figure out what she was saying, but there is something about um, sort of it's the behind the music, you know, it's like, I love those. I like the director's commentary version of the, the DVD. I like the behind the music of the hit album. Like there, there's something about kind of seeing, seeing things on the inside that just, uh, just makes, makes me uh, curious, interested, excited. And just the fact that we're all so different, right? Certain things that move you may not move me, but then there's also so many, so many of these commonalities, right? Because yeah. We're all, you know, we're all so different, yet we're all so similar, which is almost the paradox that I think is so fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, your work in, in particular is really interesting. And, and one of the things that I appreciate most about it is that it seems like in many regards, the core of it is kind of that growth mindset versus mm -hmm. the fixed mindset. Yeah. Am I, am I, am I seeing that appropriately? A hundred percent. And you're making me giggle. I, I, I know I, Right before we, we started recording, I closed the door so my daughter wouldn't uh, interrupt my fifth, my 14-year-old daughter. Uh, but I, now I wish I'd left it open because literally yesterday she said to me, you know, my basketball coach, she's always talking about this thing, growth mindset, you know, whatever. Oh, and I was really? like, you know, I wrote a book on that. And she's like, that's what your book's about? I was like, <laughs> she's like come okay, on, you're mom, you're not cool, but my coach is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Obviously never opened my book. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that is the core of it. And that it, it very much is like me, they say all research is me search. It's me trying to figure out like when I screw something up, when I mispronounce someone's name and try to cover it up, or when I confuse two black people for each other, when they look nothing alike, or when I, um, you know, say something sexist the other day, my husband said something about a cardiologist and I said, oh, you know, where does he work? And he was like, I never said he was a he, it's a she. And I was like, oh. yeah. So when these moments happen, uh, the research on mindset by Carol Dweck and colleagues says that if I'm in a fixed mindset where I assume I should know this already and I have no, no room to grow, it's like, I should know it. I already know what I know. Then when those moments happen, I get like very defensive and our, our amazingly gymnastic minds will somehow like defer, deflect, reject learning in that moment. Like that will be someone else's mistake or I was misunderstood or I'm just gonna not say that person's name again so we don't have to deal with that. Uh, there's no growth. And um, a growth mindset is when I have a belief that I can keep getting better. Like I might be great, I might not be great, but whatever, I'm gonna keep getting better. And I, I, I'm very drawn to that idea of learning like that that uh, in these spaces that I study, like diversity, inclusion, bias, that we are works in progress. And, and so rather than sort of like clinging to this idea that I am a good person, I have nothing to learn in this very tense way that we could, we could have this, this um, sort of forward looking uh, learning orientation towards it. Um, you know, this idea that, that, okay, I made that mortifying mistake or I did some harm with what I just said, but the next time, I can do better. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I wanna tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I wanna to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're gonna get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. And it's, that really resonates with me on like pronunciation and people's mm -hmm. names, you know, obviously doing the podcast and you have people you admire and you say, well, gosh, I don't want to say their names wrong. It's so funny because I'll focus on here. I actually have one really funny story. Like early in my career, I remember I was running a sweepstakes as I was doing marketing and we were doing a sweepstakes and the gentleman who won his name was Jesus, but on, okay. on, on paper, it looks like Jesus, Jesus. right? So yeah. I, I read it and, I, and I'm like, all right, don't call him Jesus because right. I just felt like that would be awkward. And so I'm like, all right, don't call him Jesus. Don't call him Jesus. So he picks up the phone and I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. And, he, and he's like, hello. And I'm like, Jesus? 
I'm like, oh my gosh. It's so funny because it's like, I mean, it's so many years past and I still think about that, but it is like that mortifying experience where it's like, yes. oh man, I screwed up. Yes. And like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm the, the banner bearer of like the growth mindset, but those, those moments and those experiences are still not comfortable and I still don't enjoy it. No. But it almost is like a reminder that, Hey, you kind of have to embrace that type of discomfort to really grow from it. Even as a silly example is that, is that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, no, totally. Exactly. And that, and that, you know, it, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not in that case, you actually knew how to say it. It was just your mind under stress was sort of just, just got hijacked. There was a moment, I don't know if you saw it. It just happened this week with the um, Australian open, the, the tennis championship where Naomi Osaka won. And she was giving a very gracious, like, you know, victory speech and her, I'm, I'm, Forgive me, I don't remember the um, person she beat, her last name, but her first name is Jennifer. And- uh, Warinka? Is it Warinka? Maybe, maybe, yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And so while she was giving the speech, you know, she wanted to say something nice about her opponent. And she realized like literally mid-speech, like on national television, that like she didn't know exactly how she says her name. So she turned to her and she said, do you go by Jenny or Jennifer? And everyone heard her say Jenny. And then Naomi went- I want to thank Jennifer. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yes. <laughs> Poor thing is it's like all the thoughts. And I think that is exactly the point, right? That our minds are doing a lot of things at once. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what we intend in the actual impact or what, what is sort of front of mind or explicit and what's implicit um, sort of happening on autopilot they're not always the same. And that's where we sometimes, uh, that's where being goodish is really important because rather than saying, well, um, which is a technical term for <laughs> fixed mindset, uh, instead we can sort of lean into those moments, be mortified of course, but then say, well, there it is. All right, what do we do the next time? Yeah, and, and the thing that I do think is really fascinating is that our brain is processing 11, is it 11 million bits million. of information at a, any moment? How, any I mean, moment. how's that possible? Right, and, and, and you know, it's, I like to think of them as the thoughts in those moments are little T thoughts, not big T thoughts. Like big okay. T thoughts are, you know, you and I right now are both sort of thinking about what we're going to say next and <laughs> understanding what, what each other has just said. Those are big sure. T thoughts. Mm -hmm. but, but little T thoughts are like the fact that, you know, you and I both know which direction to look in uh, for the camera. And we both can sort of feel our shirt, but we're not really consciously thinking about our shirt at right. this moment. And we can detect the temperature in the room, but that's not, but those are little T thoughts. So when we say 11 mm -hmm. million thoughts, there's all this stuff your body's doing right now, your mind is taken care of in the background. Um, you're detecting language. You're interpreting my nonverbals, sure. uh, interpreting my verbals. So the, the, the 11 million thoughts that are autopilot thoughts are in contrast to in that same study, they said 40, that's four zero conscious thoughts or capital T thoughts in that moment. And what we tend to think of when we say thinking or beliefs or attitudes are the things that are those capital T thoughts mm -hmm. and, and what science has shown us over the last 50 years and three Nobel prizes literally have sort of hinged on this insight is that there's all this other stuff that's outside of awareness. 
Yeah. And what I, what I also understand is that, you know, and you may be even saying blowing this number out of the water, but 95% of our brain is subconscious. Maybe it yeah. sounds like even more, right? Yeah. I mean, I think in what, you know, these things are depending on which study you look at, you might get a sure. different number, but yeah, 95%, 99 99.9, 99.997%, a wow. lot. I think the point is a lot more than sure. it, it, the most important point is it's, it's not only a lot, it's more than we would guess it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the key. So in terms of our psychological literacy, you know, our, our, you know, that, that sort of understanding how our mind works and where we need to sort of be on alert, you know, like when people you're giving directions to someone and they, you say like, you know, just watch out. Cause if you see the gas station, you probably missed the turn, you know, <laughs> right. kind of thing. those little like look out for it. Well, I think that this is what happens it's good to know that we might be overestimating how much of our mind is being processed consciously. Cause then it's like, well, look out for that. You know, if you start assuming that you understand everything your mind's doing, you probably missed something. Well, and it's a really powerful understanding to know how powerful your mind is, right? It's doing all these things without overwhelming you or using all of your energetic resources. So like we could either look at this and say, Oh my gosh, that's overwhelming. Or we can say, wow, how powerful of a tool do we have? And how do we understand how to use it better, right? I love that, Tyler. That's brilliant. I mean, that's actually, that is such clutch framing because, right, because there's all these people who are like, how dare you say I have implicit bias? It should be like, wow, look, look at the marvel that is the human mind. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I found to be interesting, I I heard this uh, maybe a year or two ago. And I don't know if this is true, but I, I, it sounds like it makes sense to me. But I think it was Peter Diamandis, Peter Diamandis. And maybe I'm mispronouncing his name. So there you go. I'll get that mortification. But you think about it, and it's somebody who I admire his thinking and his work and in particular. But he, you know, he is very fascinated with longevity and mm-hmm. vitality. And he says that in any moment, your mind is thinking about how much time you have left. And like, that's something that's running in the background as well. It's like this program, like, think about that. And like, how many other of those type of like, evolutionary or life trajectory type of like thoughts are running in the background too? Have you ever thought of that? No, I hadn't. Now I'm picturing like this, like little countdown clock sort of like hovering. Right. So. I I don't know. I just think it's interesting. But, but when we understand our unconscious system or bias, then we can make better decisions, which has really been the core of your work as well, building on the growth mindset and recognizing that, hey, we all have this because it's trying to find shortcuts, right? It's trying to find shortcuts in our environment to number one, survive. I mean, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, you know, find, you know, avoid danger, avoid failure, but then, you know, get to the next step, right? I mean, has that kind of been the core of what you've discovered? Exactly. And I, you know, and when I, I like to say I study the psychology of good people. And the reason I phrase it that way is that most of us see ourselves as good people. And so getting at this kind of, all right, so if we're going to see ourselves that way and we want to be seen that way, what are the ways in which we're going to have to keep growing to get there? You know, so it's, it's a little tongue in cheek when I say psychology of good people, because <laughs> I, I, I argue that we really, none of us are sort of good in that fixed mindset kind of way. Um, but I also argue that we can sort of strive towards it if we know what we're looking for. And I I think, um, the, the way you're framing how the human mind works and what a marvel it is, is a great setup for how I think about my work, which is why wouldn't we want to 
get be better now than we were last year or five years ago or 10 years ago? Like, why would you want, like, if you can't look back and find a TV show that you used to watch that right now makes you cringe a little, <laughs> right? right? Which there's a lot, like <laughs> Duke's a hazard every Friday night. Um, you know, it, and if you, if you don't cringe a little, when you look, look at things from a year ago and five years ago, 10 years ago, that says to me, you're not growing. I think some mm. people are like, Ooh, I'm going to like, that's terrible. How, how could I have been like that? And again, if there may have been harm that was done and we have to own that, this isn't a matter of like, well, oh, well, I'm better now. So I can just ignore the harm I did. But I think it's exciting and wonderful that we have the opportunity to keep getting better. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, too, that has really resonated with me recently, and I heard this quote, and I don't even know if it's a quote, to be honest with you, but it's a it's a it's a perspective, right? Because an enemy in hiding is more dangerous than an enemy that we can see in plain sight. Right. And if you think about it, it's not like we're horrible people. If you recognize there is a unconscious bias, but it's it's a it's something maybe that's been planted within us from our environment or our background or people that we've been surrounded with the media what have you and these seeds have been planted subconsciously so now that we see them we can do better right we can be better we can grow and so that's what i find to be so fascinating with it even if it's like uncomfortable to look back and say i cannot believe i sent that email 3 months ago it's like what was i thinking you know what 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 type of person am i but, you know, leaning into that growth. I mean, does that, does that resonate with you in terms of the, the enemy that's hiding in, in the darkness yeah. versus plain sight? I think that's terrific. And I, I, what I really like is that sets us up to not fall into the following trap, which is there is this trap that some people are using the unconscious bias narrative to, to sort of let themselves off the hook. To, to not take accountability. We're like, well, right. it's unconscious, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of, and sort of, and, and, it, and it, it becomes a, 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 like release of ownership. And what you're describing, I think is the opposite. When you say, you know, it's the enemy um, that I can see that suggests that I am going to do something about it. Um, right. And that it isn't a matter of deflecting. So I, I love that. So what's, what's this notion of, like, you know, once you start to you start to notice perhaps mistakes or things that you can improve upon, we're talking about the growth mindset. And as it relates specifically to your unconscious bias, you know, whether you're a leader or somebody looking to grow a business or make investments or, you know, just develop a life of success, quote unquote, right? Everybody has a different, you know, definition of what that is. At some point, you reach a little bit of perhaps Maybe it's internal defensiveness or, or dissonance, um, but maybe it's also external as well. And it does come to the conscious. I mean, you, you may be able to describe this in a better capacity, but I know one, one thing you do talk about is kind of red zone defensiveness. Yeah. Could you talk about what that means and why that's important for us to recognize? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, this is it's not a technical term. It's like my, my, my way of experiencing those moments when I mess up you know, which is all the time, you know, I had a, in class, uh, last week, uh, you know, was sort of stumbling over the language of gender identity and had a student private messaging me on zoom saying, you know, that's not really the way you're supposed to use those words. Um, and, and, and in that moment, I was just like, you know, like red zone defensive, but it, 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 and, and not this student came 
with with uh, grace and generosity in in helping me, um, but that didn't stop this like surge of that fixed mindset, good person feeling, making me just want to defend myself as a good person who knows this stuff and wouldn't right. say something that would be so problematic and need right. To like you just don't understand what I really meant. You know, right. it's your problem, exactly. not mine. Or yeah. you're being very sensitive or, you know, you know, kids today, <laughs> right. That kind of stuff. Um, so that red zone defensiveness, just, it, it's very natural. It happens to all of us. It happens to me all the time. Uh, I think the one thing I have noticed is with practice, I am getting better at like naming it when it happens, like yeah. I can feel it. I can stop myself from um, blurting out the "I think you're being a little sensitive" or "Well, if you're offended by that, you know." Or um, and and what I'm able to sort of not all the time, but a lot of times, what I'm able to do is shift myself into the like, "Okay, time to Google that mindset," you know, which is basically <laughs> like, you know, um, it's just another word for growth mindset. Like, all right, let me privately go away and educate my little myself about the history of that word. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, let me, uh, you know, like I, 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 I recently, uh, someone pointed out to me, I used the word lame. I, you know, oh, that's so lame. Or what a lame <laughs> joke. Or, I'm sorry to be lame and, right. you know, and fail or whatever. Um, and that word is really problematic and it actually doesn't take that much thought to figure out why. I mean, it refers to somebody with a physical disability in a way that's, that's, that's quite, um, derogative, mm -hmm. uh, derogatory. I don't know if derogatory is the word derogatory. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't use the word, uh, R E T A R D D. I think that's a very problematic word. I don't sure. use that word out of context. Um, but somehow I've been using this word lame all the time. And so, um, which I should now spell L-A-M-E. And so, so, so um, that moment of like, when it's pointed out, that feeling of red zone defensiveness is, is tough. And what's happening to us internally and psychologically is we are just deploying all our resources at protecting ourselves. Right. Um, and, and that's not a good place. It doesn't help us take ownership. It doesn't help us learn. It doesn't help us, um, you know, uh, re reduce harm to others. It doesn't help us apologize. It doesn't help us change the systems around us. It doesn't help us, um, uh, it doesn't help increase the odds that when I mess up the next time, somebody will do me the favor of telling me so, you know, if you're running a company and you're wondering, well, I don't understand that women don't apply or uh, people of color don't apply or disabled people don't apply or older, you know, well, they may not be applying, but they're, they're also, just, they're not telling you all the signals you're sending that make them not want to apply or make them want to apply, but don't believe that your company is inviting for them or that don't believe that um, there will be a fair uh, level playing field. Uh, so I want that information, right? I want it, but I don't want it, but I want it. Yeah, that's critically important. I think that's the the biggest takeaway, really. I mean, if even if you're listening to this from a selfish perspective of how how is this conversation going to make me more money or make me more successful or whatever, yeah. it's you need the appropriate feedback to make corrections, right? Because it's inevitable we're all going to make mistakes in business and life and all these things. Yeah. So if you're listening to, from that perspective, what a practical feedback to say, well, I need more feedback, right? Yeah. And the only way to do it is to kind of own up to it and truly be willing to 
give that space that that space to you know that two two-way direction conversation right Exactly, exactly. To put yourself in that learning mode, not because you have to accept everything that's told to you as truth, but to at least, you know, give it my, my dad's always telling me, you know, uh, I think he heard this like on a daytime talk show or something, the, the idea of like, uh, every idea should be a good idea for 15 minutes, you know, and after that, you can, you can reject it. Cause I think I kept like rejecting everything. <laughs> Why don't you try this? No, dad. You know what I mean? Um, um, but absolutely, I mean, this is this, what you're describing, this, this mindset of learning and seeking out feedback is, of course, generalizes to everything, every mm-hmm. topic, right, that we as leaders and managers um, are really shortchanging ourselves if we aren't getting that information. You know, one of my uh, colleagues at, um, at Kellogg at the Business School at Northwestern, Nicholas Pierce, he says, uh, he uses this great phrase, he goes, um, Oh, your employee, they've quit already. They just haven't told you yet. Ooh, wow. This idea that like internally, they no longer trust you. They are no longer walking through fire for you. Uh, But they still show up at work. Yeah, and I've, I mean, I can reflect back on the early parts of my career and know when I felt that, you know, in, in an organization. And you know that that's happening all over the place in many, you know, every different company in America right now, you know? Absolutely. So how can we, yeah, how can we lead people better? But one thing that, you know, I'm passionate about, or I don't know if I'm passionate about it, but it's a philosophy that that really resonates with me is that when emotions are high, logic is low, right? And so if anything else, you know, if we're in that red zone defensiveness, we can't think clearly. And like, you know, one thing that's really important for real estate investors in particular or business owners or what have you is properly negotiating, right? Properly communicating, you know, what it is that your outcome, you know, you're looking to accomplish. How can you overlap, you know, for the other party as well? And if your emotions, you know, are to the point where you can't think, you're not using all the resources of this beautiful tool that we were talking about, then you're not going to get anywhere. So, I mean, that's another thing that I think is really important, but it goes back to, hey, let's receive this feedback and, you know, look at it from a a lens of curiosity and say, how interesting, how interesting that this feedback is coming through. Is there something for me to learn here? Is that kind of what you see? Yeah, absolutely. And and to just piggyback on your your um your great insights about negotiation. I mean, one of the things we know about hot emotions is they they narrow our focus. Like we literally see less and notice less because you know, usually, you know, evolutionary like uh, hot emotion is sort of a time of stress or or danger. So you just hone in on what you need to hone in on. But in negotiations, often what we want to do is broaden, right? We want to be able to think more creatively about integrative solutions. We want to um, look for information and clues that will give us some insight into the other, the other party's interests. We want to um, generate uh, a sort of broader set of possibilities of the issues we could add to the negotiation. These are all the create, what great negotiators do is have that broad um, information gathering mindset. And, and when our emotions are running really high, and particularly if we're sort of shutting down in a defensive space, it becomes really hard to do that. So is that, um, you know, a bit of a training exercise and more of a practice over time to really make sure that you're observing your emotions to get to a point where and I, I believe it's sympathetic versus parasympathetic and really opening up your literally like your truly your perspective from a visual standpoint, as well as your mindset, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not expert in this, but there's some really interesting research going on about like mindfulness and breathing and even just slowing down your breathing. You know, the, the, the idea that like of us actually taking a full breath is, is actually not that common throughout <laughs> our days. Not <laughs> at all. These like shallow breaths. Um, and that again, I'm not super fluent in the findings, but I do know that whenever I look at them, I'm sort of like, Ooh, I should probably do that more. <laughs> that <seems laughs> those, the, the, what, what I'm hearing is sort of the research is suggesting better decision-making, better listening, better leading, better um, sort of stress management. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and that, and then of course, a lot of that is also contagious. We know there's some great research from Seagal Brasad at Wharton and some others on emotional contagion. This is interesting, actually. Now, I, I didn't make the connection until, until you led me to it. Listen to this. <laughs> they look at the idea that emotions leave residue on others. So mm. you, know, you and I will have had this exchange. And then as we go about the rest of our days, we will take some of the emotional vibe of this conversation into the next one and the next one and the next one. And, um, and they've, uh, they've, they found that the more power you have in a situation like you're the boss, let's say, your emotional contagion is particularly contagious on others. That's intuitive. And then they looked at what, which of the emotions is most contagious. And I guessed wrong. Let's see, what, what's your guess? And what do you think is the most contagious emotion? My guess is fear is the okay. most contagious. I, I would have guessed something along. I might have said yeah. anger or something. Right. There, I mean, we'll see if these studies replicate, but in their, in their early work, it's calmness. Interesting. Calm. Calm. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's positive. And- I like that. I know. And, and when you play that against what you were saying earlier about like the defensiveness and the hot emotions, that's really powerful, right? That if I want to bring your emotions down, bring my emotions down. If I want to slow your breathing down, slow my breathing down. Like there's something contagious about that. That is really interesting. I love that. And I, I've, that really resonates with me on the residue thing because you know, like this conversation, like now we can lead into our weekend and just be like, you know, this is great. You know, this is going to, but it's going to last with us. Maybe. I don't know. It's really interesting. Does it also last like, as an example, people that are listening to this podcast, will that residue also rub off on them as well? Or any idea? I think so. And I don't, I'm speaking out of turn in the sense, I don't know that anyone has precisely studied that level of contagion, but everything intuitively suggests to me it should, right? That that's, That the, the, there, there, there's like we know, for example, it's sort of a miracle, right? That you can watch a TV show or movie or read a book like fiction and be transported into it. Like your mind can somehow believe it's true in like, you know, it's not, but you're, but yet you're feeling real emotions and stuff mm-hmm. while you experience it. You actually feel sad or you actually feel happy at various points. And so those are real emotions you experience and and you're not having an in-person interaction where you're taking that emotion. So I'm just connecting dots and guessing that, yes, I declare okay. it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, so, okay. So calmness is the most contagious. Yeah. What else? What are the, what are the other emotions? I, don't that are very I actually don't remember the sequence of those. That's a great question. I, I, I just remember taking away that I was surprised that calmness That is my takeaway from that is let's work on ourselves, right? Let's focus on internally. 
so that we can show up to the best capacity to serve other people around us. It's kind of the way I take away that. I buy it. And, you know, I, you know, my, my book and my research is about the psychology of good people, but by teaching, I teach an MBA program and I teach um, leadership and management and negotiations courses. And in the course I'm teaching this semester on managerial skills, we talk, that's exactly what we talk about is that it starts, it starts with sort of self-management skills. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we reflecting on your why, um, cultivating self-awareness. And then we broaden it and we talk about, you know, listening to others, coaching others, delegating to others, running a meeting, like, you know, kind of managerial skills 101. Sure. In the end of the course, it sort of comes back to you again. We do leveraging stress, managing your own emotions. So, so it follows very much the pattern you're describing. Well, and the big piece there that I think is the most important and really like your expertise is kind of about that self-awareness too. It's about, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's, let's peel back this onion and see what's going on in there and how can we overcome this and understand a little bit more about our identity, right? And really kind of get a, get a feel, which I think is fascinating that the fact that we all have a, an identity that's maybe a bit subconscious, right? And it's running the day-to-day decision-making that we have or how we see ourselves and, you know, like self-image ultimately becomes what we continue to perpetuate. So if you want to elevate to the next level, it's about, well, how do you truly see yourself? What is the emotional residue or the emotional home that you continue to live in? And, you know, the the energy and the vibration that you put out and, you know, to the people around you, does that resonate with you? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in the, in my book, I talk about this research about identity claiming and granting that I, you know, I can claim an identity of being funny, but my kids do not grant me that identity <laughs> as a funny person. I think <laughs> you know, you're so, funny. I'll give you that. Well, thank you, Tyler. This <laughs> is being welcome. recorded, so I shall play it for them. It's um, uh, but, but, but so, so, so I continually try to like claim it from them. I, you know, I keep trying to tell joke after joke, hoping, just praying for, you know, one little giggle. Um, and, and so, so we do sort of try to make our, the, our precious identities. We do try to manifest them with others. And when we, and when they're not, um, we either give up that identity or we, we sort of suppress it. There, there's all sorts of ways in which it, that lack of like granting shows up. Um, so identity is really important to, to all of this. So how do you identify, you know, blind spots in your identity? Or I guess maybe a better way to ask it is how do you identify really the full picture of your identity or what what is currently the mechanism in place right now? And how do you grow it, right? It's like, yeah. how do you take it to where you want to go rather than just being the default mechanism of where you're at right now. Yeah. Well, in the kind of work I do around um, things like bias and, and diversity and inclusion, I, the trick that I find really helpful is to sort of, we all have lots of identities, right? Um, we've already established that I'm funny, of course. <laughs> right, of course, funny. exactly. So in addition, <laughs> I'm a professor, I'm an author, I'm a mother, I'm a woman, I'm Indian American. Um, these are just some of the identities that like roll off the top of my head. You've been granted all those things, by Thank the way. Thank you so yes, much. I, I accept all those <laughs> things. Um, and so, so, so then pause and say, okay, well, what were the identities I didn't think of that I hold, but they just weren't top of mind for me. And if I sit for a moment with that, I'll be like, well, I didn't say that I'm straight. 
I mean, I am straight, but I don't really think about it that often because I don't really, I don't need to worry about is my employer going to be straight friendly? Mm -hmm. Is this a state with straight friendly laws? Um, is, is it, do I have to worry about heterophobia? You know, if I'm having dinner with my husband, um, well, I, back when we used to go to restaurants, right. um, but, um, so, so, you know, I don't have to think about that identity. Well, that just there gave me a little bit of a clue of where I have some tailwinds in my life, where I'm not seeing the headwinds or feeling the headwinds other people might have. And this is Debbie Irving uses this metaphor of headwinds and tailwinds. And I, that's really that that's some people you know, that's another way of saying privilege i have straight privilege and some people right. are like oh you know how dare you accuse me and i say take it I, that's a it's going to tell you where to look for what you're missing like that gives me oh if i'm not thinking about my straight privilege what are the what are the things i'm missing that my gay colleagues and friends are dealing with um, that'll help me figure it out. It'll get me closer. It'll also, there's really great research from a number of researchers that, that shows us that when you hold an identity and you speak up in defense of it, you are taken less seriously. You are considered more whiny and rude than if someone who doesn't have that identity speaks up. So if someone tells a homophobic joke, gay person speaks up versus straight person speaks up. It's not fair, it's not right, but the gay person on average will not be taken as seriously as the straight person in that situation. Which is not to say the straight person speak over them or instead of them, but it is a really good argument that once you realize that you have that tailwind and whatever that identity is, you have what I call ordinary privilege. You have something that's so ordinary to you, you don't have to think about it, but it turns out you've got this influence. You, you know, a lot of us are feeling so helpless. We look around the world and we're like, what do I do about all these terrible injustices? Well, it turns out if you're not on the receiving end of the injustice, you have more influence than you realized. Hmm. That's interesting. So when you look at this, you don't have to feel, uh, you don't have to feel like you are receiving something that you don't deserve, but you can look at this as an opportunity to, improve a situation perhaps you're saying exactly. this is a starting point for improvement for others and yourself perhaps exactly exactly like i mean there may be some you know it, it's true you may you the deservingness conversation is its own conversation but but right <laughs> let's not get lost in it let's 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 move to action i think most of us are action oriented right like we want to do things. yeah we want to make things happen we want to make things better um and and so you know, this is the space where I think we have a lot, a lot, a lot of room to grow and a lot of room to act. And, and yeah. instead we sort of get shamed and canceled and, and, and we just retreat. Um, and that's not really moving the needle. No, I totally agree. We, we need to have more conversations, not less. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is like, if you're going to elevate your life, if you're going to elevate your business, you need to elevate other people around you, right? Mm -hmm. And this starts with having a conversation, understanding, you know, what's what's been given to us from an evolutional standpoint, evolutional standpoint, and you know, how do we work with what we have, get more aware of it, and battle that bias, right? Understand that we can get better, right? We can grow, and we all have this because our minds are just trying to take shortcuts in the environment. We don't have to beat each other up. Let's just look at it and try to grow, right? So, I mean, what else would you say outside of 
all right, the first step is awareness, right? Let's put the enemy in plain sight and take a look mm -hmm. at it and have an understanding, then maybe feel a little bit of discomfort. What are the other steps? I mean, towards battling this bias and becoming good-ish rather than hope, I'm already there, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I love how you connected all those dots. Well, a, a couple of things. I mean, first, it's useful, I think, for people to know that the research on, there's been a lot of research that's looked at uh, does diversity lead to better performance? Does it improve team performance? Does it improve profits? Does it improve um, innovation? And tons of studies, you have to sort of unpack them all. But when you do unpack them all, and there have been some really good meta-analyses done on this, the conclusion is clear. Diversity helps performance as long as, as long as you are um, deliberate and intentional in ensuring those diverse perspectives are included, that there's an inclusive approach. Now, why is that? Well, think about it. Like, let's say you're gonna put, um, you know, 10 people with 10 different perspectives in the room, right? But you're gonna only, you're gonna, you're gonna have a culture that sort of only rewards three of those perspectives, mm. not the other seven. Well, what's going to happen to the other seven? You know, they're they're going to feel excluded. They're not going to feel um, engaged. They're not going to feel uh, safe proposing that silly idea that might turn out to be the best idea. Uh, and you're not going to get the benefit of those ten perspectives, right? You're going to get three perspectives, not ten. So that's a diverse room, but not an inclusive room. On the other hand, let's say you're really good at running meetings where you can balance competing perspectives, where you get good information exchange, where you balance airtime, where if you're in a position of power, you don't state your opinion first, which will therefore you know, completely suppress contradicting, contradictory opinions. Let's say you do all those things. These are sort of managerial skills, meeting skills, one-on-one. And in those 10 perspectives, you get all 10s the benefit of their best work and their best perspective through the mechanism of information exchange, you're gonna have a better performing team, right? It's more diverse and it's more inclusive because you're getting everyone's best. That the whole reason you wanted those 10 diverse perspectives was to use them, not ignore them. And so the, the, the first thing I think to answer your question is let's understand that diversity is an advantage. It is a competitive advantage, it is a corporate advantage, um, but in and of itself, it won't do the work. In and of itself, if we're not careful, we can actually see diversity uh, um, hinder performance because it can create friction and tension and, and suppression of performance. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this idea of running better meetings. You know, I interviewed for my book, um, I interviewed a lot of cool people in my book. That was one of the funnest parts because I'm not a journalist, but I got to kind of <laughs> pretend I was one and interview like uh, Tommy Kale from uh, Hamilton and, and Jody oh, Pico, cool. the best-selling author and um, Laszlo Bach, who was the chief people officer at Google at the time. Um, he wrote the foreword for the book. And, um, and one of the interviews was with uh, Tony Profit of salesforce.com. And as as I'm sure many of your listeners know, salesforce.com is a ridiculously successful company. And Tony Profit is leading a lot of their work on diversity and inclusion. And so I asked him, I was like, so what's the secret? What, what is Salesforce doing this like, you know, and what's the big initiative? And, um, and I sort of waited with like my pen ready to jot it all down. And he said, we're running better meetings. And I was like, 
okay, I'm, I was, that's not quite as mountaintop as I was expecting. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But, um, but then he explained it and my God, was it profound and brilliant what he explained. Whatever's happening in your meetings or your Zooms or your Google Meets or whatever, however you're meeting these days right. um, is happening in your organization. Whoever's being undervalued or overvalued, undercredited or overcredited, interrupted, included, excluded, um, judged to be too emotional, judged to be angry, uh, um, um, uh, sort of given a second chance, uh, given a chance to say something outrageous, whatever's happening in your meetings is happening in your organization. So if you can start with the micro activities of running better meetings, you can sort of create this ripple effect. Now he, he was clear, he's like, that's not the only thing we're doing, but that's a daily actionable, everyone can play a role in it, whether it's the person running the meeting or the people participating in the meeting, everyone can get better at that and create this domino effect. So, so, I, so I really, uh, this is a great place to start is, is simply looking at your organization and these daily practices. It, of course, we also have to look at how we pay people and how we recruit people and how we design jobs and um, you know how we decide who to promote and how we have to look at all those things. Those are very important. Um, how we test our products, what our algorithms are based on, how, how we invest, uh, you know, who invests. In, we have to look at all of it. But those are big, hard, long-term systemic things that can happen in conjunction with these daily actions. You and I are talking about pronouncing names. That's the third thing we can do. It, it, with today's technology, there's no reason why every employee in the company can't simply record themselves saying their name. Hmm. We just have it available on our, whatever our, you know, databases are for a company. Um, and, and, and some companies and, and uh, 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 schools are starting to do this. I've noticed I've put it in the signature of my email. There's a little thing, just click it and you hear me say my name. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and so things like that are really important because one thing I've noticed, for example, I teach in a very global um, university. I have students with all, all different names. And I notice that when I don't know how to pronounce the student's name, I don't call on them. Yeah. I avoid them. I mean, talk about like the least inclusive thing ever. Right. Sure. And, and, and the name is almost always from a background different than mine. So it's like exactly the opposite of what, you know, you were saying we want conversation. I mean, so that's on me, right? Like I need to put the time in to learn. So, so, you know, first thing was diversity drives performance. Second thing was run better meetings. Third thing, learn how to say three names that you don't know how to say in your neighborhood, in your company, in your family. Um, you can Google it. You can, you can type in like, how to pronounce and type the name and little audio files come up. And of course, you know, I don't know how to roll an R. I have never been able to quite master that. So you may not get the exact Meryl Street pronunciation, but we can at least find out like which syllable do you emphasize and which letter is silent. And if we can say the names on Game of Thrones, we can learn how to say, <laughs> you know, a, a couple of syllable names. So I think that's another step. I mean, these are just some concrete things people can can start right away. No, that's so powerful. And I think about even influencing other people, whether they're on our team or not. You know, I think it was, um, forget the guy who wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People way Dale back Carnegie. in the day. Yeah, Dale, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. So he yeah. talks about the name as being the most beautiful sound yeah. 
in the universe to any human being, right? So if you say someone's name, it's like, oh my gosh, this person really thinks about me. If you think about, hey, you know, maybe maybe you're a real estate investor and you're really looking to, you know, strengthen your relationships with your vendors or, yes. you know, a seller or yes. your tenants or your investors and, you know, using this and allowing people to share their perspectives more and let them speak up and not squash this. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. That's so brilliantly said. And I love that because, you know, the, the idea of when you're, if you're in any sort of business that's, that's calling on customers, there's no reason you should be saying their name wrong. Yeah. At, least, at least once you've had a chance to get it right. I mean, there's so many ways to get that information um, and automate it right now. Um, I love I love that idea. And I love that Dale Carnegie quote. And the other thing, I'll just add one little thing, because I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to be a participant in some exercises like this, uh, exercises where you ask people to tell the group a story about their name. Oh my gosh, it's mind blowing. Because for most people, their name was like the first big decision yeah. that was made about them. And it was made by someone who loved them. Um, and, and it might be about the first name, the middle name, the last name, the multiple names. And there's almost always a profound story. And we're taking that profound meaning, that historic meaning, that, that the most loving thing someone could do at the, at the time in which they offered that name, and we're just kind of casually dismissing it or, or giving them a nickname or we're pronouncing it wrong. And I'm saying this 100% on myself. Like I, sure. this is something I've really started to work hard on in the last few years, and I, I have gotten better, but I'm still struggling. Um, but I have noticed it's, it doesn't take that much effort. Like I do remember the days where you would, I would call like people's voicemails in the middle of the night to see how they said their name. <laughs> Are you serious? Once <laughs> like, someone had like, this is, you know, their voicemail on their like office phone. Um, and once they had forwarded it to their home phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is hilarious. I answered the phone. Or something. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, why are you calling me at 3 30 a.m this is <laughs> totally, big time red flag totally. so i never did that again <laughs> so dolly but, i can't let you i can't let you go without you telling us where your name came from you have to tell oh, us the story about your name it is a good one so i was born in india i was six months old when my parents came to the united states and in the sort of Part of India, or I don't know if it's like regional or just my family or what, but people don't, you don't get your like legal name at birth. You get what they call your family name or your pet name. And then, you know, eventually when they have to start doing like paperwork for you, I don't even think I have a birth certificate. Like when they eventually put you in school or whatever, then they give you like an official school name, right? So I was born, I was the first grandchild on both sides. You can just imagine how spoiled I was. Like mm -hmm. everybody wanted to- I can hold. feel it, by the way. I know, no, I'm it's like this oozing spoiled <laughs> title. Um, and, 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 and so I was just the little doll that everybody wanted to hold. So Dolly was the immediate nickname. Interesting. Then six months rolls around and suddenly my parents were like, let's go to America. And they were like, shoot, we got to put something on the passport. And they were like, but she doesn't have a name. And they were like, don't worry about it. Just put down anything when you get there. It's America. You can do anything. We'll give, her, <laughs> we'll give her a real name. And so, you know, that was 52 years ago. And here we are. Hey, guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from this show, this incredibly mind-expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. 
I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W-2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high-touch, one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered limitless and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. That is amazing. Oh Oh my. (laughs) See that. Okay. So that was a prime example. I've never thought of this. Asking people to give me the story behind their name. I mean, that is amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) And it's really simple. But I mean, how much did you love telling that story? I I loved it. It was so much fun. What about your name? Is there a story? I, I, well, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking, I hope she doesn't ask me that question because <laughs> I don't have as nearly as cool of a story well, as that. Somebody Honestly, your name. well, here, here's the story about my name. And this is what I know a little bit. Uh, my parents knew what they were going to call me if I was a girl. That oh. was, they had no problem. They found out I was a, a boy. And then they were like, oh gosh, what do we do? And they were going to name me John. Okay. And then my n- middle name was going to be Tyler. And they were going to call me Tyler. But my dad goes by his middle name and they didn't want me to have to go through the whole, oh, my name, I go by, you know, in in school. And so they decided to call me Tyler and my middle name is Ross. So I don't know what happened to John. John was my grandfather's (laughs) name. So, you know, so anyway, there was a, there was an almost story. I I love that. Ross was pulled out of the sky and here it is. And did they ever tell you what the girl's name would have been? You know what? I knew you were gonna ask that one too. So I think it was like I'm I'm if my mom listens, you know, we'll we'll tell her. I think it was like Samantha or something like okay. that. I could it could have I don't know, who knows? But uh yeah, isn't that interesting? It's really interesting. That. It really the, is. And it, you know, it's it's it 
you learned so much about, I learned so much just now from that little story about your family. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's all these, your grandfather's name, I mean, a lot yeah. happens. Your dad goes by his middle name. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the important part, but it is, I guess the takeaway for me is let's get out of ourselves a little bit from this entire thing. Let's get out of ourselves, have some perspective about the beauty and the differences behind all of us. Right. And let's let that come to light and think about the connection. Like you and I, we're going to be friends forever now because we know, we know all about it. And uh, how powerful (laughs) is that? We're going to, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll write a book together. Who knows what's going to happen, but uh, there you go. You know what, Dolly, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. And uh, I'd love to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. We're okay. having a bit of a rare conversation right now, right? We're, we're asking questions that most people don't ask. And I'm excited that we have, you know, some some new sort of tactics and approaches in in my repertoire. And maybe you, maybe you have some too, but uh, I'd love to ask you a few questions. As someone who's so learned and willing to always update your knowledge, I would imagine you're a big reader. And we even started this conversation with books. Are there any, you know, maybe two or three books that you've read over the past few years that have really impacted the way you think and the way you approach life and all of the above? Oh, my gosh. There are so many. Um, I literally am writing. um, I I put out a monthly newsletter called Dear Good People. I'll hype that up for a second. It's monthly. It's only a five minute read. Um, dollychug.com to subscribe. Um, and the issue that's coming out this weekend on Sunday is, is I, I literally talk about a book I just finished called uh, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, okay. Chanel Miller was um, the survivor of the sexual assault um, at the Stanford swimmer case, you might remember. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, an amazing book that really shook up my assumptions what I write about in the in the newsletter and this is a little bit of a spoiler but um uh is is you know I think I still have these like ideas from like the 90s or something and and of, of like what is rape and consent and and alcohol the role of alcohol and who's to blame and you know I don't know. It's just, it's really, it was, it was very profound and, and, and beautifully written. My God, it was mesmerizing. She's such a good storyteller. Um, and I did it on audio. I like doing audio books and she reads it aloud. So I highly recommend that book. Um, another book I love to recommend is the warmth of other sons, which is an oral history of the great migration in the United States, which was, um, uh, millions of uh, African Americans moved, uh, fled really as refugees, the South to the North, the Midwest, and the West of the United States from the 20s onwards, 1920s onward. Um, and it's it's this amazingly well-written book that takes uh, about 10,000 oral histories, but that condenses them down to just a few. Wow. Really good. It just, it made me like see things differently. Like now when I go to cities, I sort of like, oh, this is, yeah, you know, like I suddenly like can sort of see how the United States became the way it is now. Um, That's really cool, by the way. I love that. Yeah. And then we were talking about time travel earlier, and I was thinking about the book, um, I think it's called How to Stop Time by, by Matt Haig. And then he has another one out right now called The Midnight Library. And they, he has this real like fun time travel fictional 
element to his books, but I love to read and I'm on goodreads.com. If anybody else is and wants to connect, I like seeing what other people are reading. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm on there too. And I haven't updated it in a while, so I need to go back and update it, but it is fun to get people's feedback and what you're reading right now. And that's really cool. So uh, we'll put links in the show notes of all those books and as well as where you can find Dolly on Goodreads so you can connect. And of course, we're going to put a link, you know this, we're going to put a link in the show notes about the person you mean to be, how good people fight bias, which is Dolly's book. And it's phenomenal work. Obviously, it's, it's been, uh, you know, quoted by some of the greatest people out there, some of the, you know, sharpest minds uh, in not only the mindset space, the psychology space and beyond. So you'll definitely want to go pick that up. We will definitely put links in the show notes. So go check that out. But Dolly, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Ooh, there's so many assumptions in that question. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know I like the general questions. We'll see where you take this. <laughs> I know. I had an ice cream sandwich for breakfast. Come on, Tyler. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're you're you're. I love it. Yeah. So that's it, huh? The, the um, ice cream sandwich. I have been trying to do. I have to. You're reminding me because I haven't done it today. But I have been trying to do a five minute joy buster, a, a booster, not buster, <laughs> booster <laughs> per day with. For me, is like to put on some awesome like video, like some really like I like watching those like flash mobs, you know, where mm. they suddenly start singing in a shopping mall and break into dance or or um, uh, just just those reaction videos by um, the two brothers that listen to songs for the first time and like just freak out because they're so like wowed by these old 80s songs. <laughs> I just call those joy boosters. And I, I wrote one of the Dear Good People newsletters. I wrote about the importance if we're going to keep trying to improve ourselves as people and improve the world around us, we can't just be all serious and like clenched all the time. We need to continually like refuel with joy. And so I've been trying to do a five minute joy booster a day. And I'm that is. That's awesome. That is the most unique answer to that question that I've ever gotten. And I've never even heard of that joy booster. I love that. That's really cool. And it just reminds me of how important it is to have fun and be happy and laugh, which is one of the reasons why I've really loved this conversation. I've laughed so many times, but it's it's important for us to do that to develop more resilience. But also it's like, hey, we should be having fun, right? Exactly. And and in the newsletter, I talk about it as grab and go joy. You know, like, I think we all know, like, oh, I need to exercise. I mean, there's all these like other things we know we're supposed to do, but like this, I, but sometimes you just need to like grab something, like grab a sandwich, grab a protein bar, like grab five minutes of joy, just get the endorphins going. Yeah. Go back to whatever you're dealing with, you know, your computer that's not working or whatever. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's been fun. And it's funny, that newsletter probably out of all of them got the most response. Interesting. People really flipped over that one. And I had a lot of links you could click and like play. That's with. cool. That's cool. Well, of course, we'll put a link in the show notes of where you can get to Dolly's newsletter. And um, my goodness, what's the, uh, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Dolly? Turns out to be the hardest question. Um, I can guess a few ways, but I, I want to hear what well, you, you say. Tell me, what's the answer? I mean, you just asked me where my name came from. Come on, that's elevating <laughs> me, right? You're oh. elevating our relationship. But um, I think there's so many ways. I mean, your work, you're obviously elevating humanity from 
shedding a conscious light on our unconscious, but I'm sure there's many other ways and it may be simple. It may be profound, but is there anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, I I appreciate that. And thank you for, for helping me see both of those things. Um, I think one thing I do and I, I, I'm, I'm getting more natural at doing it is making my own learning visible to others. And I, I think, cause I, th- for me that there's no value in me, like pretending like I've got this all figured out, you know, yes, you know, I, I do research and I have some like intellectual understanding of things, but the, the day-to-day grappling is hard. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm out there grappling with everyone else. And so I think, one of the things I have found helps me be a better teacher to others, whether I'm teaching through my writing or teaching in the classroom or teaching as a parent, um, is, is, is showing my work, if you will. You remember in like school shows, yeah. you know, like I'm trying to figure this out. Here's why I made some mistakes or here's, here's what's working for me. Um, here's what I'm feeling proud of today. Make my, make my learning visible to others. That is so powerful. And one that I'm, wanting to work on more myself is making that visible, making your own learning visible to other people. What an amazing, amazing conversation and a great share there. I think you've challenged us all to be better, to embrace that growth mindset, to, you know, feel a little bit of discomfort and lean into that and, and just know that we're getting to the next version of ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to help other people. We're allowing our team to really lift each other up in so many of these different capacities. What an amazing conversation. I learned so much. I know the listeners have as well. But are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation before we head our separate ways for the day? Oh, I just want to thank you, Tyler. You're putting a light out in the world. You're shining a real light. And and I hope you know that. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. And I look forward to many more conversations from from here because I'm I'm not even joking. I really, really love this conversation. <laughs> But tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do and, and really engage with you further from here. Oh, sure. So I have a website, dollychug.com. That's D-O-L-L-Y-C-H-U-G-H, like chug a beer with an H at the end. <laughs> <laughs> dollychug.com. And um, it's got a lot on there. You can see media appearances. I have a TED Talk that's linked on there. Um, uh, things I've written and um, uh, my newsletter, all the old newsletters are there as well. So you can find a lot there. And then I'm also on all the social media platforms as well. Yeah. And you'll definitely want to go check out the TED Talk. It's awesome. And uh, she's as nice as she is here on her TED Talk in person, all these things. So you'll <laughs> want to go engage with her. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes of how you can do that. Uh, but Dolly, my goodness, I, I seriously really enjoyed this. But I want to enjoy, I want to encourage Elevate Nation to really not only engage with Dolly's work, um, learn more from her, but re-listen to the show because there is so much here that there's so much that you can apply to your life. There's so much that you can uncover within your subconscious mind, within your identity. You can grow. You can bring other people along for that ride. So re-listen to the show, but also share this with someone else because paying it forward, you know, giving is also receiving as well. And if you want to have a conversation around this and teach someone else, that's amazing because I don't know about you, Dolly, but I know I'm sure you as a teacher, professor, and really a teacher and sharing your own learning and making it visible to others, you also grow more as a result, which is amazing. It's amazing. Right. That's the big secret, right? That's the secret loophole about being a teacher is you're really a learner. 
Yes, which is amazing. And it, there's there's definitely something to be said about that because it's, it's almost like it anchors more into the cells of your body or something. I don't know. That's maybe above my pay grade. But I will tell you that uh, I encourage the listeners to share this and pay it forward. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is about taking action, taking massive action, because, you know, it's it, it's not going to do anything unless you put it into action. So at the end of the day, share, take action, enjoy, elevate yourself, elevate others around you. And Dolly, we will see you next time. I look forward to it, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Elevate Nation. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.